0: One, check one. Check one. Is this thing on? Check two. 59. Check 59. 59. Episode 59. Welcome, everyone. Faith in the Fresh Five podcast. I am your host, Ro Hattie, coming at you from Treaty 7 territory in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. In this single episode, revival. Uh huh. We're going to talk about it. Revival. If you're in any of the conversations on social media, and what struck you this past week, two weeks, three weeks, is something that happened in Kentucky. Kentucky. Yes, Kentucky. Some claim a revival has broken out. We're going to go there. Thanks for being here. Don't forget to rate and admire this podcast. Can you admire a podcast? Season 8 will wrap up after this episode with two more, and they will feature Karen Keene on the subject of how not to read the Bible. But before we get there, we got to get here, which is a call for revival. Don't forget, rate and admire. If you're anything like me, Growing up in evangelical land, as I affectionately call it now, you would have sung the same songs that every evangelical church was singing across the land. In fact, across the continent. In fact, probably across the world. There are pros and cons to that, but I digress. One of the hit singles in the CCLI repertoire, if you know, you know, was a hit called Revival, written by Robin Mark. And yes, I was on a worship team. Yes, I led worship first on the keys, and then I picked up the guitar. That's a subject for another time. 25 years ago, Robin Mark wrote this ditty. Okay, let's uh, stop that right there before my left hand goes numb from slapping the D chord so hard. Now, there's nothing wrong with this song, and we definitely overplayed it and wore out our cassette tapes. What I didn't ask at the time was, revival? Revival? Unto what? Are we escaping this world for heaven in the clouds? Are we going to return to the good old days? And of course, the necessary follow-up question would be, whose good old days are we talking about? I bring up the subject because revival has struck social media because many have shared about what they say is a revival happening in Kentucky. Kentucky, you say? What's in Kentucky besides sundown towns, guns, and Christian fundamentalism? Oh, and let's not forget bourbon. I assume Kentucky sounds something like this. They just don't write them like they used to. I guess Kentucky has a derby too, a real inclusive space for all. That was sarcasm. What else does Kentucky have? According to some voices on social media, in February 2023, Asbury University was home to a revival. Some were straight up calling it that. Revival. I don't know if those on the inside initially, like the students and faculty, were calling it as such, but many people jumped on board and it wasn't long before that word took over. Revival is the word we want to interrogate in this episode. Social media did that, interrogate, almost immediately. What was this? What was happening? Is it just an event? Was it just a really long worship service that white students and then white evangelicals from around town participated in? Let's be honest. White evangelicalism, Pentecostal traditions not included, as a whole lack a certain, um, shall I say, diversity? No, no. How about spice? In their worship music, Sunday mornings contain the latest hits from the CCLI charts, depending on what area you're in. Usually modern contemporary songs, five to six of them every Sunday, and then someone preaches for 45 minutes week after week after week. Not a whole lot more. Okay, a skit on Easter. So an extended worship service for parched evangelical souls looks novel. Now, I think the Asbury event was more than just a worship service, and I don't want to question the individual experiences for anybody who was there. By the way, this event has now drawn to a close because students stopped going to class for two weeks around midterms, which, you know, makes sense. You could skip class and have a religious experience. Win-win. But was it Revival? Here's some context we should know. Asbury University is a private evangelical university. It is conservative and fights for conservative values generally, including forming their students around anti-abortion policies, marginalizing LGBTQ folks, and so on. I didn't do any work or look at their endowment funds and how they're used. It is, however, non-denominational, but aligns with the Wesleyan Holiness Movement Which is important because last century, the last revival of sorts we can pinpoint in Western Christianity was the holiness movement. Asbury definitely wants to reclaim the glory days of the holiness days. It's kind of part of their DNA if you ask prior students. Speaking of the students, the student body is just over 1,500 students enrolled and the diversity is about four to five. So 80% of the students are white. Kind of sounds like my high school. Only Asbury is even more diverse somehow. That's the rough makeup of the community that reflects the churches that are around it. It also sets the stage to help us understand the community. It gives us context to filter the claims that revival happened at Asbury. I want to ask, who gets to claim what counts as revival and how might we know and measure if a revival is happening or happened. I think most people would agree that revival is measured after the fact. When you're in them, you can't claim, yep, this is a revival because the result, and to use a Christian word, the fruit, is how we would know I'm also suspect of those parched evangelical souls we talked about who ran into a really spontaneous worship service and, hey, let's assume the Holy Spirit did show up and wild things did happen. It's that those parched evangelical souls had no other word in their lexicon to describe what went down other than revival. Remember, Really long and spontaneous worship services are normal occurrences in Pentecostal traditions, for example. Evocative Holy Spirit experiences are commonplace. Many traditions on the margins, including black church experiences, have very different worship approaches. And what we saw as, as at Asbury could very well be called just another Sunday at a church on the margins. This is important because the voices deemed authoritative, which is usually white male church leaders, using revival managed to catalyze massive interest in Asbury, which is to say revival proliferated because white pastors called it such, and they are to be trusted. It would seem that who gets to name... Are the traditional voices deemed authoritative? And in this case, that's white conservative male pastors. I've heard this story before. Does anybody want to step up and question the validity of white conservative or fundamentalist male pastors from denominations and churches that are racially segregated, refuse women pastors and elders, are non-affirming to the max? Let's not talk about the waves of abuse behind closed doors. I do. It would seem antithetical, at odds, with the way that God works, how the early church functioned, and most importantly, how Jesus lived and preached and conducted his ministry, centering around the idea of the last shall be first. It would seem at odds with Jesus that a new revival in our age would start with the most privileged groups, which is white churches in conservative America. Guess it's possible. I, I I guess God can work with all circumstances. The invitation to participate in God's unfolding hope, is one that anybody can say yes to. But in the context of a university community that's worked so hard to historically malign bodies on the margins, can that infected DNA actually produce good fruit? Let's be honest, can it? Not incremental fruit, but revival fruit. Or is this a cursed fig tree? Yeah, okay, I know that there are people connected to this, quote, revival, including the choir that set it all off. Uh, This was a student-led student catalyzed, movement and moment, women were at the helm. There were folks who were not white, but it was overwhelmingly white. And I'm looking at the historical rules, the DNA, not the exceptions to those rules. It kind of speaks to a level of tokenization, I think, when an institution that is historically and still does marginalize bodies that don't match that white hegemonic able-bodied gaze tries to legitimize a movement by pointing out its unusual diversity. And it wasn't that diverse anyways. But it was still unusual. So who gets the name? It's certainly not the voices at the center. When most of the voices from your event are coming out as white male voices and... Later, white Christian nationalists tried to co-opt. You're putting the validity of your, quote, revival in the voice that's least trusted because they are the most powerful. I will listen for the voices who claim revival when that voice comes from the margins. Again, it matches how Jesus would have organized the world in the last shall be first, not the first shall be first and, hey, everyone else, come out. Try to figure out how to be first, too. Okay, second question. How might we know if a revival was happening nonetheless? Well, to use that Christian word, we wouldn't know it until the fruit of it was produced. When we read the Old Testament, New Testament, when we read scriptures and the voices of the prophets, throughout there is a theme— that worship is connected to justice. God doesn't even hear your prayers unless you're doing work connected to God's unfolding hope in the world to right wrongs. The fruit of the revival is therefore measured in writing injustice. And what would be included? I got a list. On my list, the first thing would be white supremacy is dismantled. The fruit is... White supremacy dismantled. Right off the bat, if this was the first measure, we could stop and eliminate this revival moment. A nearly exclusively white school and the white churches and denominations that support them, including all the red states that are slowly becoming more anti woke and anti intellectual and so forth, that's the source of a new revival for churches in America. Remember my first question that I asked myself? Revival unto what? If it's the preservation of white supremacy, that ain't revival. If it's to keep things or return to a bygone era, that ain't revival. If it's making the world safe for black and brown and indigenous bodies, okay, we have the fruit. Maybe it will happen. Maybe in 20 years, these young leaders will be out in full force dismantling the bedrock of white supremacy, basically working themselves out of a job. Maybe. Okay, let's add to the list. How about the unhoused housed? I'm, I'm already two in. Just two. And there's an obvious disconnect between a common posture in conservative churches and the homeless. Namely, the latter shouldn't exist, get them out of my neighborhood, and my tax dollars should never be used on lazy people. What a waste. Churches mimic this fundamental conservative posture when it comes to the unhoused how about we move on okay a third thing the migrants welcomed walls are not built children not in cages western imperialism not destabilizing foreign nations how about wealth distributed or capitalism curtailed undone we could end there again don't even talk about money when it comes to churches and our place in the world I worked hard for that anyway. Disabled bodies are not a charity case, but fully included. That's how we might know. At the center are disabled bodies as we, able bodies, deal with our ableism. This is another crucial factor in how I knew right off the bat that this Asbury event wasn't a revival because it's a super spreader event. By the way, we're still in the pandemic. Someone go check out the Kentucky wastewater results. Do, do you guys do that? We, we do it in Canada. Test the wastewater for COVID and for flu. The last shall be first. When immunocompromised people are not only unable to come, but would be harmed if they did, it reveals a deeply seated ableism. You honestly think God would bless this type of affair? Ah, yes, you have neglected the least of these. This is clearly God's voice. Let me pour more blessing out for you able bodies. You're my favorite, by the way. Okay, I'm not done. What about queer folks truly belong? LGBTQ2 plus S affirmed. Not tolerated, not love the sinner, hate the sin vibes, not remain celibate or get the boot, but fully affirmed in their divinely created beauty. That chance at Asbury and beyond. God will bless this. Some would actually say yes, God would bless that, that marginalizing the marginalized is indicative of God's purpose and plan because it is our duty to protect and ostracize those who would seek to sully the morals of God and our traditions. I don't know, someone... Please think of the children! Thank you, Helen Lovejoy. How about patriarchy abolished? White men, have a seat, new voices at the helm if all of these things were to happen and that's a pretty extensive list that would be the fruit of a revival i obviously miss the token piece that's important to evangelicals and that's evangelism there is a profound spiritual transformation that happens when i'll use the word people turn to jesus But that goes hand in hand with the holistic change of the self connected into community that's measured, glimpsed, evidenced, in outward expression, what you're doing. So it's the fruit. White supremacy dismantled, the unhoused housed, queer folks fully affirmed, disabled folks fully welcomed, and so forth. Since I'm on a heater now, I'll wrap up. Let's not forget attributes of revival. That ought to include corporate confession and repentance, turning away from and repairing of relationships. So, my list of fruits are, in fact, the starting point for predominantly white evangelical churches. There's others, of course, can jump in there. And that is do your own work first. Look at all the work that needs to happen in house before you start to go out into the world and try to do the same. When I see the predominantly white evangelical church embody these traits, man, I think we would be in a time of revival. Don't you think, Robin Mark? Divide! Okay, my left hand is still sore, but it could happen, and I'm here for it. It just needs to have attributes that, honestly, the contemporary evangelical church doesn't know how to deal with and is struggling to even embody. But hey, if I'm wrong, and God's blessing pours out to the most privileged among us, I'm going to go out and start oppressing some people. More so. Again, I don't want to diminish individual experiences, but I am curious what social media will look like in 10 years when all these folks will be like, hey, I was at Asbury Revival, and now I'm in therapy. Individual experiences, however, do not reflect unto the whole. In fact, we need corporate experiences. We need corporate change. We need corporate repentance. We need a community that is looking for corporate reconciliation, a pursuit of corporate justice. Let's see if something happens from the Asbury University revival. I don't hold my breath for it, but at least it has given us indicators and reminders for our own revivals, small ones in fact things we can't even measure or see in our lifetime to unveil themselves in the pursuit of righting wrongs in our neighborhoods, cities, and beyond. I'm here all day for something like that.